The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Welcome to Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne. I am Coach Lorianne. Our goal here at Healthy Lifestyle is to inspire, educate, and empower you to fulfill a healthy, emotional, spiritual, and physical life so you can feel empowered to live the life you have always wanted and dreamed. Well, welcome to the show. I hope you guys are all having a great day. Um, I know I am, but I usually do because I try to find the sunshine and joy in everything that I do. And today I am even more joyous because I have the wonderful Oak McCullough on today. Oak Oakland is a graduate from North Illinois University. He received his commission as an infantry officer through the reserve officer training course in 1986. In his 23-year career in the Army, and we'll forgive him for that. My family's are all Air Force. He held leadership positions as a combat arms officer. He assisted in disaster relief operations for Hurricane Hugo in South Carolina and Andrew in Florida. His deployments include Operation Desert Storm in Iraq, peace missions in Bosnia and Kosovo. He retired from the Army in 2009 with over 23 years of service and joined the staff at the Bay Area Food Bank as the associate director. Um, Oak left the food bank to become the recruiter for an Army ROTC program. Cadet Command selected Oak as the top recruiting officer, listen to this, out of 274 recruiters for 2019. Oak published his first book in February 2021, Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be. Get it on Amazon. He is now an internationally recognized keynote speaker. And here today, welcome to the show, Oak. Yeah, well, thanks, Lori. I've been looking forward to this. This is this is going to be great. I'm so excited. Thank you. First, I want to thank on behalf of my family, my community, and others out there for serving and allowing us to have the freedoms that we have and that my sons enjoy every single day of our lives. So thank you. I'm so grateful for you. Yeah, it was an honor and a privilege to serve the people of this country. So it begs a question. Why did you choose and you chose to make a career in the military? Yeah. So I get asked that a lot. And I always tell people, and it's the truth, you know, I came from a poor family. My father never finished the eighth grade. My mom never finished the 10th grade. Now they got their GEDs, but school-wise, they never got through that. And I got to make choices and have opportunities that nowhere else in the world would I have gotten. Nowhere. I've been in 45 countries on five continents. So I know that I would never have been able to make some of the choices I got to make. And so I made those choices to serve this country and the people of this nation uh, so that my kids, your kids, somebody else's kids get to have those same opportunities to make the same choices that I made. Oh, my God. I, I'm just flushed head to toe with goosebumps because that's that's a beautiful thing. And it takes a very giving person. You know, I truly believe and we've spoken about it often on this show that we're here for two reasons. We're here to learn and grow ourselves, but we're also here to serve. So what what does servant leadership mean to you? Yeah, I, I talk about servant leadership all the time. The best leaders I've ever worked for were servant leaders, and they kind of taught me what it was all about. To me, it's all about taking care of people. Because let's face it, leadership is about people, plain and simple. It's not about <laughs> flow charts or organizational charts. It's about people. And if you take care of people, 
then they'll take care of you. They'll, and, and, you know, when I go around and I talk to people about servant leadership, one of the things I, t- the first things I say is, look, it's not about you and it's all about you. It's not about the title you get, the privileges you get, that you get more pay and live in a nicer house and drive a nicer car. Let's face it, leaders get those things and that's okay as long as that's not the only reason you want to be the leader. If that's the only reason you want to be a leader to get those things, go do something else because you're never going to be a good leader. It's all about you and how you treat the people you have the privilege and it is a privilege to lead. And if you treat them well, then you if you take care of them, make them better people, better workers by training them, giving them the things they need, then they'll make your organization better. And in the end, you win, but you win for the right reasons, not because you were selfish, but because you were helping other people. So to phrase it differently, bring a little different lens on it. It's all about intent with good intention behind it. You're going to really uh, lift up the people who you're leading to serve the best way they can maximizing their strengths. And then that helps everybody. And if you're, you know, what makes a good leader, because there are people right now who think they're good leaders and they're anything, but I've never seen such lack of leadership in my life. Let's go to the White House, both sides of the aisle and all the way down. I'm seeing such lack of leadership. What what determines if you're a good leader? Like, what should somebody think about if they really want to look inside and see, am I a good leader? Yeah. So I, what, what we are accepting as leadership in this country, in this world right now is horrific. Uh, it's not leadership. So I think there's a couple of things that to be a good leader, you have to have. Number one is integrity and character. People have to believe what you say to be a good leader. Starting <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they have to believe what you say and they have to believe what you do. Uh, my father, growing up, my father used to tell me, son, if you say one thing and you do another, it is your actions that will be believed. So you can say anything you want, but people are going to watch what you do. Uh, you're on display all the time as a leader, as you should be. So I think you got to have good character, good good uh, integrity. And then I think the, the other piece that you have to have as a good leader is you got to be able to communicate. You know, that is what leaders do. Sorry, if you can't stand up in front of people and talk to them, then you can't be a leader uh, because you got to tell them what it is you need, what you want, and, and those kinds of things if you want to be a leader. But and and to me, it is really setting the example. Uh, people used to ask me when I was running my ROTC building at the, or a program at the University of South Alabama. Not a whole lot of officers around in Mobile, Alabama, at least not Army officers or Coast Guard officers. But they would say, so what is it that you really do? And I would always tell them, my number one job every day is to make every one of the people I lead want to be like me. Set the example for them. Show them what a good leader looks like, how they talk, how they act, how they uh, walk, all those kinds of things. Um, so I think that's you got to set the example. You got to have integrity and character to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love what your father said. That's so true because I do say um, that words and actions equal truth. So the lack of one puts question, right? So if your words say one thing and they could be beautiful, but if your actions say something else, um, then you have a disconnect. So I love that. I love that your dad said it, you know, if you're not being truthful or if your actions are different, differ than your words, People are going to look at your actions, and that's so true. And that's what we're looking at today, don't you think? We're looking I at do. 
people taking action, they're saying all these fluffy things. Um, they think they're getting over. I, I feel like they're being disrespectful, like they don't believe the American people are smart. And and I have a real issue with that because it's just disrespectful. Um, and then their actions tell us some, it screams anything but, anything yeah, but. I agree. And they're the taking 100% responsibility, you know, and I use that terminology, um, really being in control. The only thing we're in control of are our reactions to things. Taking responsibility for what you're doing is not being done, not by our yeah. leadership here. No, it's not. And, and that's one of the things that I always tell people when I talk about leadership is that, look, as the leader, you don't get to pick and choose what you want to be responsible for. As the leader, you are responsible for everything in your organization that does or does not happen. Sorry, good and bad. Yeah. You you have to take ownership of that. And, and, and I don't see that happening today in all professions, in all at all levels across the board. Totally agree. And I hear a lot of blaming. You know, it's like they blame the government, they blame the school, they blame their parents, they blame anything, but they don't take responsibility. So I, I just put a challenge out there for 2024 to everyone who's listening. Just take 5% more responsibility, just 5%. What does that look like? 5% more responsibility for your actions and take them and own them. Be it good, bad, or ugly, take them and own them. We make mistakes. We're human. We learn from our mistakes. That's what humanism is about. We're going to learn from mistakes and together as, as a team, as a group, as a community, we're going to learn and make it better. You know, so yeah. so I'm, I'm just going to throw that challenge out there and I hope you all take it. You're absolutely right, because none of us are perfect. I keep trying to convince my wife that I am, but she's not buying it, even after 37 <laughs> years. I'll call uh, her later. No worries. <laughs> you would think after 37 years I could convince her, but no, I can't. But just keep working on that. Yeah, I, I just keep working on it. But, you know, we're all going to make mistakes and that's OK. I had a boss one time who retired a four star general who said, oh, if you didn't make a mistake today, you probably didn't do anything. We're all going to make mistakes. We don't care as long as you own it. What I care about is what did you do after you made the mistake? Did you blame yes. somebody else? Did you try to hide it? Or did you walk up to me and say, hey, boss, I, I messed up today and this is how we're going to fix it? Okay. So I look, yeah, I look at mistakes as an opportunity for learning, right? Yeah. So I love that. It's like, yeah, take accountability, come in. And honestly, it's easier. First, you don't get that, oh my God, I'm going to get caught thing going on. For right. And you will be. It's inevitable that, you, you know, it's going to be found out. So no matter yep. how good you are, it's going to be found out. And two, you're not going to learn anything, but you're going to earn distrust. And that kind of leads me into you talk very specifically about 360 degree trust. Can you explain that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of leaders talk about trust, but they don't understand the importance of it or what it really entails. And I think, they understand that the people who they lead have to trust them, but that's only one part of it. it granted, it is one of the most important parts because if that one isn't there, it doesn't really matter what else you do. Yeah. The people you lead have to trust you, but you also need to trust them. And that comes by training them, making sure that they know what the standards are so that you trust that whatever you're asking them to do, they can do it. And that if they mess up, they'll come and tell you. So you have to trust them. Then everybody on the team has to trust each other that they're going to do the right thing, that they can do their job. You know, Vince Lombardi, uh, you know, probably the greatest football coach that ever coached. He used to say a team is not a group of people who play together. A team is a group of people who trust each other. And yes. that is so true. Without that, 
the the team is not going to be as effective and efficient as it could be. And then if you're talking about biz- the business world, then you have to add the trust that the people who you want to do business with have to trust you and you have to trust them. Because if that isn't there, they're going to go somewhere to some do business with somebody else that they do trust. Yes, so, they'll easily be driven, you know, pulled away because they don't have that no like trust factor. That's a that's business right. expression we use all the time, especially in networking. That no like trust factor is important. And I think as a leader, I believe you have to create the environment to allow people to come to you and let you know that they made a mistake. You know, it's how, it's how you respond to that mistake changes that outcome. Absolutely. The first time you shoot the messenger, the messenger is going to stop coming. I promise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're going to try to hand it off to somebody else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think that it's, it's creation of that environment and that's where terminology and business is culture. We're building a culture an environment that allows us to have open communication. We are expecting and anticipating mistakes, but someone can't grow unless they're making those mistakes. So I have a client who stronghold uh, their people and they check on everything and they follow up on everything. And the, and I'm like, dear Lord, let them fall. They're only going to learn when they fall. Our children learn how to walk. They get up, they fall down. We don't pick them up and keep them in the air for the rest of their lives. They'll never learn how to walk. Right. So they have to fall. It's not fun. We want to bubble wrap them. Um, Maybe we just like continue protect the edges and stuff like that because we we want to make sure that they don't get more hurt than they're going to by falling but that's also why they're little because their drop is a lot slower than that's us right. you know i i liken it to skiing I, I was skiing and this little guy comes whizzing by and he falls down and he gets right but he like popped right up and i was like seriously it takes me 20 minutes to do what he just did so yeah. and, and and i was just i gave myself some some relief by saying you know i'm a lot taller so it takes a lot more gravity to get me up than it does for him so he also by the way came over to me and went lady can i help you up and i was just like oh you know and thank you no i'm good yeah, go absolutely <laughs> just well you know I, I think that part of the problem that we see today is that pe- bosses like you're talking about, and they are bosses, they're not leaders, right. the ones who want absolute control over everything that happens in their in their organization. You're stifling all creativity when you do that. Yes. I, I, I had a boss who said, Oak, leadership is on a scale. On this end of the scale, you have that authoritarian micromanaging, do it exactly as I tell you to do it guy that none of us want to work for. And we've all yes. worked for that person. Oh, yes. And it's horrible. Oh, yes. And on this end of the scale, you have Attila the Hun and chaos. And he said, and you want to be as close to chaos as you can get. He said, that's where creativity happens, because that's where you're using other people's knowledge, other people's skills, other people's ability. And the way you get there is you train them to standard, hold them to a standard. You give them the resources that they need, time, money, people, whatever. You uh, give them the authority to make whatever you're asking them to do happen. And then you get out of their way. And that's really the hard part for leaders generally is to get out of the way. Yeah. And I, I always tell people, look, I use this analogy, you know, cause are they gonna do it the exact same way you would have done it? Absolutely not, but who cares? But it doesn't matter. I use this analogy, not seven plus two is nine, but so is six plus three and five plus four. And eight plus one. How do you, why do you care how you get to nine? You just got to get to nine. Yes. 
there's not only one way to do something and we have to release that. It's funny, those those leadership qualities that you're looking at, that you're talking about and that struggle at the end to release and allow them to grow and, and fly as a bird um, reminds me of parenting. It's the same same steps for parenting is that you need to give them the standards. You need to give them the, you know, the life lessons of what, what is good, what is wrong, what is right, giving them all those baseline things. And then you have to allow them and hold them to those standards, right? There's ramifications for that. And then you have to give them an, an opportunity to fly and stand back and watch them sometimes falter and fall, yeah. but we're there as cleanup crew, right? So even that's as right. a leader, we're there as cleanup crew. It's okay. I got you. I got you back. We're going to take this. And that's where I think a true leader is, is they sit there, they own it because they gave the authorization for someone to do it. That's and right. then together they correct it. Where I have my problem as a leader is when someone continues to make the same mistake over and over again, then they're not learning. Yeah. And, and that the leader allowed it to happen. Yes. Over and over and over again. Because here's when a mistake happens and they're going to happen and and that's okay. Then you got to say, okay, here's what happened. Here's what we were supposed to do. This is what happened. Let's figure out how to, bring that gap back together and so make sure it doesn't happen again. Exactly. And make sure that it doesn't happen again. That's, that's a trick. Why did you, why did you title your book, the, your leadership legacy? Because I, I believe my personal opinion, that's what leadership is about is leaving a legacy. And it's really two parts. It's a very small part, what you actually accomplish. And the reason that's, I think that's the small part is because if you're the president of a company and you tie all your legacy on what you did for that company and in that company and you leave and the next president comes in and he changes or she changes everything, your legacy has gone. So in the real world, results do matter. So a small part of it is what you actually accomplish. The bigger part of it is that the next generation of leaders that you helped create because they're the ones that are going to influence not maybe not even your company, maybe some other company when they go work, but they're going to influence the next generation and the next generation. When I was running my Army ROTC program, I had a guy who worked for me. And I say he worked for me. He was probably a better leader than I was, Master Sergeant David Powell. And he we were talking about the importance of what we were doing, the significance of what we were doing, creating that next generation of leaders for the Army and for the nation. And he looked at me one day and he said, hey, hey, sir, you know, great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. I wish I could take credit for that quote, but I can't. It's his. Beautiful um, quote. And I thought to myself, you know, that is a very powerful quote. But the most powerful part of that quote is you can take that word nations and you can substitute anything you want. Family, business, hospital, university, food bank, whatever. And it doesn't change the power of that quote, one bit, because every organization in every profession needs good leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You're listening to Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne. We're going to take a a quick break and then we're going to come back with Oak and uh, continue this leadership conversation. I want to dive into um, trust because obviously these days that's an interesting word, underlying circle star flashing, um, that uh, we're finding that there seems to be a lack of trust. and, And I'd like to kind of explore the journey to the place that we are in right now. So we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne and JVC Broadcasting 103.9. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne. I am Coach Lorianne. If you would like to be a guest or lift up your business product, non-for-profit, or if you have a question or comment, you know how to get us. Email us at healthylifestylewitha at gmail.com. That's healthylifestylewitha at gmail.com. Be more than happy to chat with you. I love chatting with everybody and I personally chat back. So, you know, you definitely want to want to have a conversation with me. Um, in the meantime, we're, we're back here with Oak McCullough. Um, he is amazing. You're amazing. Oak. Uh, I just, I love what you're saying. It just so resonates. Um, there's, there's this lack of trust in the world in society right now in our country, more importantly. Um, w- what's the tracking of that? Like, how did that start? Where, where did you see the shift? I have a couple of my own ideas, but where was that shift? Because I know there's no more trust in medical. There's no trust in our government. There's no feeling or trust in leadership. Um, yeah. And we're having an issue trusting each other. So yeah. where did that all come from? So I, I think, um, you know, Colin Powell, who's still the most impressive man I've ever met in person. Seriously. He, he always used to say that you can't lie to people, you know, and I remember right at the beginning of the first Gulf War, uh, he got on the, on the news. He was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. So he was responsible for the all the soldiers and sailors and airmen, Marines in the, in the military. And he said, he told the American people, I will not lie to you. He said, I remember what happened in Vietnam when, when generals lied and the trust was gone. And so I think we, we have gotten to the point where people are so wrapped up with their next promotion, their next pay raise, their next job, whatever that is, and in the military as well, that they have forgotten that they have to be honest with people. And if bad news has to come out, then you tell bad news. And then like we talked about earlier, then you go fix it and make it better. But you got to be honest with people. And I think, uh, and I'm I'm trying to think when that really, I'm not sure when that that really started happening, but I I can tell that we've we've gotten away from honesty in in all these organizations and all these, even in the business world. (laughs) Yeah, business world, press, um, everybody is is like telling all these falsehoods and and feeling okay with that, and that's not yeah. okay. Yeah. And yeah. and and we were talking before the show, and you know, mentioning the Gandhi quote, which is "change starts with you." So you can really change things by starting with you, not doing things like that. So yeah. I I. I reminisce back to a boss that I had who I really liked him as a boss, but he would, uh, I was working with constituents at the time. And he said to me, he goes, well, just tell them blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, is that true? And he was like, no. And I was like, no. And he was just like, no, I'm telling you to do that. And I was like, okay, but no, because yeah. it's not true. I, I will tell them the truth. So what's the truth? Because what you do is somebody's asking for help. You tell them not the truth and it doesn't move them from where they are. And they're making decisions based on that false truth that you gave them. And now that pushes them even farther back than when they made the first phone call. And now they're angrier because now they lost trust. They can't even trust the, the, the position. So I said, I'm going to make a choice to tell them the truth. And he was mad. He slammed through his door and blah, blah, blah. and went. And I did. I told the constituent the truth. I said, this is the bad news. Here's the good news. Here are some options. Um, it's the best we can do right now. I know it's not, it doesn't put you in a great place, but this is what we're really dealing with. Um, and they weren't happy. Needless to say, they weren't happy. But weeks later, they came back and thanked me. 
because yeah. of the fact that they were so farther ahead and they could have been pushed back had I not been truthful. And it, it was a, a really interesting exchange. Um, I can't tell you, but I got fired like five times from that same boss. I, I was like, but after a while, I became fiery immune. I'd come in the next day and and uh, and he would he would be like, morning. I'd be like, morning, you know. As if it never happened, but yeah, yeah I got fired five times from him, yeah. but uh, he was um, my hardest boss, the most demanding boss, a uh, very kind soul, but he wasn't sure on how to handle it. And 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 another really quick story is that there was a misstep that was made and um, and he needed to go in and own it. And, um, and he's like, I'm not going to the meeting. And I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, no, I can't. I'm not going to the meeting. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're going to the meeting because if you don't go to the meeting, they're going to make up their own narrative. And that's, that's right. worse than owning up to what happened. So he walked in, you know, hat in hand. He stood in front of everybody ready to take. And they were a excitable group. Let us just say that. And uh, and they were ready. You know, they had pitchforks and, and fire going. And he he said, I'm so sorry. It was my mistake. And it wasn't really his mistake, but as the leader, he acted as a leader it and he said, yeah. it's my mistake. I own it. And all of a sudden, the energy shift in that room went from, I can't wait to pitchfork you to, oh my God, it's okay. Don't worry. We understand. Literally yeah. that quickly, it went because he took ownership of it and said, yeah, it was me, you know, and here are some solutions. And I'm so sorry. It was never my intention for it to go in that direction. And from that point on, he would always go to the meetings and he would always take ownership, even of things he wasn't supposed to. And I'm like, all right, there's another side of this. You can't yeah, be exactly. taking, you know. So, yeah. but it it really gave people hope and it and it and he he was seen and was a really good leader. Yeah. And um and I, I'll never forget that day because I was standing in the back. One, I was so proud that he did it because it took a lot of chutzpah to get yeah, up there and take those shots, but he stood in the middle of the Coliseum and went, Go ahead take your best shot. Yeah. And um, and they didn't, they couldn't. And that's what people usually do. You take the wind out of the anchor sail and you allow the sail to refloat a different way. Right. I agree. I mean, my, my philosophy has always been this. If, if the team, the organization I'm in charge of, if we accomplish what we're supposed to, then I go to my boss, say, hey, boss, look what my team just did. And Jane, John and Joe did a great job. Give credit where credit's due. Yeah. If we didn't do what we were supposed to do, I go to my boss and I say, hey, boss, I messed up and this is how we're going to fix it. Even if I wasn't the one who messed it up, doesn't matter. My name's the name on the blame line. I'm I'm responsible for everything that does or doesn't happen. So yeah. let's fix it. And as long as you're honest, it's okay. You know, like you were saying, you know, if you could have told that person, that client a lie, which would have set them back. But if you tell them the truth, at least we know where we are now. Ground yeah. zero. Truth ground zero. Yep. Now we can figure out how to go forward. Even if it's bad news, at least now we know where we are and we where we want to be and how to get there. If you tell them a, a lie, now there is no truth. But with the truth, you're stepping together. With the lie, you're sending them off alone. Yeah, I agree. What, yeah. what is the most important characteristic, as if I didn't know, for a really good leader? Yeah. So I, I think in integrity is it. I mean, without a doubt. And okay. You know, because in the end, you have to be able to look in the mirror in the morning and like who you see back. And I've had to make decisions. And I always tell leaders, look, you you have to make the right decision. You have to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Not because somebody's watching or somebody's going to check. They are watching and they are going to check. But you got to do it because it's the right thing to do, because that's what leaders do. 
even if it isn't in your own best interest, you still have to do the right thing. Especially if it's not in your own best interest. That's the hard choice about being. That's right. That's why we made you the leader. Yeah, to be able to make those choices. So so I have a little pet peeve and I have a real difficult time with leaders who are micromanagers. So you talk about the evil of micromanagement. And what do you specifically mean by that? So to me, you know, micromanager, first of all, nobody wants to work for a micromanager. You know, we all have. I've had bosses in the past who would say, oh, this is your task. And then they'd stand over my shoulder and say, well, I wouldn't do it that way. I'd do it this way. And you might want... I just want to turn around and say, do it yourself. You gave me the task, leave me alone. So here's, you know, and it's hard sometimes because I I know even me understanding how evil micromanaging is. When you give somebody a task and they're really struggling, it's hard not to walk up and say, get out of my way. Let me do that. I can do that in 20 minutes. But you're not helping anybody when you do that because here's the evil of micromanaging. Not only are you cheating that person out of that experience, you are cheating everybody who ever works for that person out of that experience because they can't pass it on. So you may be affecting your organization for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years because you have cheated that person out of that experience. And then how do you promote? How do you promote if you don't give them the tools? How do you how do you go to your next job a different way, you know, a different lens to look through? You can't leave your position and go to a higher position or a different job and if you don't have somebody to replace. So right. I always look at it as we're teaching the people who are reporting to us to eventually replace us. And that blew somebody's mind. I actually hired somebody uh, for one of the companies I worked for and he had uber experience, so much more experience than I do. And now he's going to, he used to be a vice president. Now he's going to report to me and, um, and due to, you know, cutbacks and stuff like that, he didn't have a job. And I was like, I would be just doing the wrong thing, misguided, if I did not hire him and bring this amazing talent in and allow him to flourish and, yeah, eventually take my job. Um, And because this company deserves that person to be there and he deserves to be able to show what he can do. And he was magical. I learned so much from him. He learned from me. You know, we all learned from each other. And he ultimately took my position as I moved on to another another position. Um, And it was because they thought I was crazy. HR fought with me. You don't want to do that. I was like, no, I do. I really do. Well, see, here's the thing. Here's the problem. And I see this a lot today. We all have egos. Anybody who tells you they don't have an ego is lying to you. Okay. It's a good thing that we have egos. That's something that drives us to be successful, to be the best at what we do. So you want people to have an ego. Leaders have to understand they have an ego and they have to know when to put it aside. And that's what you're talking about. I remember I was a 24-year-old lieutenant, brand new lieutenant, went to my first platoon and got introduced to my platoon sergeant, Sergeant First Class Penson, NCO. So he worked for me. He had 23 years in the Army. He had almost as much time in the Army as I was alive. Why would I not listen to that person? Yeah. You know, but that's you you got to understand that you don't have all the skills. You don't have all the knowledge. You don't have all the talent. You got to use the people on your team to make it the best organization that it can be. Yeah, we all have our wheelhouse. And if we put all the right wheelhouses together, we have an amazing team. And and I always say the collaborative mind is way stronger than the singular mind. So yeah, just because you're in leadership position. And a lot of people, a lot of leaders, tell me if you run across this, they feel that their vulnerabilities 
uh, equates to weakness. And I think vulnerabilities equates to strength because it shows other people it's okay. We don't know everything. And that's right. how we help each other. You agree? Right. And, and if you use the other people on your team the way you should give them the authority to do things and, and use their talent skills and that it don't, it's only going to make you, you're going to learn something from it. You know, and the next time it's somebody else and they'll learn from it. Uh, so it, it, it is to your advantage to put your ego aside and let's figure out the best way to do this. And, you know, I, I, the thing I always talk about is my, my father's best friend when I was growing up, he worked for Chrysler Motor Company at a plant that was about 12 miles away. And he worked in, at that plant for 38 years. And for 38 years, he did the exact same thing. He put fenders on whatever vehicle was being produced at that plant. So if you took over the plant and you had problems with the fender, who would you go talk to? I hope you'd go talk to that man. Yes. He's the expert. He probably knew there was a problem, probably told somebody and they told him, oh, go back, do your job. Yeah. Yeah. I actually. Because they couldn't put their ego aside. Yeah. Without a doubt. And and there's two things. And and I, I. I want people to think about this. We have an ego and you know, you're in your ego when any emotion is associated, that's you're in your ego. Then you have your observer. I want you to change to camera lens two and go into your observer. That's without emotion as if you're looking into someone else's life. Right. That's when you know you're not in your ego. So yeah, we absolutely need, need our ego. It's not a bad thing. Like you said, it keeps us competitive and, and helps us have drive. But we also need to shift into that observer. And that's what we, you know, that's where we see and we show leadership. And it's not easy all the time to do it that. Isn't. It, it, it is hard to put your ego aside, especially <laughs> if you're really good at what you do. Because you you think that you're the reason you're as good as you are is because of you. You're not. <laughs> you, part of it is you, but the rest of it is the team around you because yeah, nobody does this by themselves. Without a doubt. I, I use, um, I, I go inward. I use a lot of reflection. It's like, can I do this better? How could I do this better? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I, I'm a huge believer in reflection. And I think you need to reflect every day. Why is it so important to you? Because that's the way you get, you improve yourself and the organization, but certainly yourself. I, I, I'm i a firm believer that you have two types of reflection. You have event reflections. So as you do, as your organization does an event, then at the end of that event, you call everybody together who was involved in that and say, okay, here's what we wanted to do. Here's what we did. How do we get better? And even if you did what you were supposed to do, you can still get better. I don't care. You can always get better. So take down notes to figure out how to do it better next time. And then I'm a firm believer in routines of routines. I that's really that's so odd. Be odd being an army man. Yeah, huh. <laughs> I mean I start my day the same way every single day. I get up and I you know light a candle and I do the daily mass. I listen to the daily mass. I uh, I read a chapter of the Bible and I do my daily prayers and I end the day the same way. Um, I try to reflect on what I did that day yeah. and what, how could I do it better? Whatever I did, what, how could I do it better? So I think you got group reflection and then you got your personal reflection. And if you add reflection, personal reflection to each day, I promise you, you'll see results immediately. Yeah. Because reflection equals awareness. Awareness 
gives you an opportunity to change That's and right. you have choices. Um, yeah. And that goes to my book um, where I wrote about two choices, you know, do, do it, don't do it, stop, go, stuck, unstuck, you know, yeah. but you have to be aware first before you can change anything. If you're not aware, you need to change it. So that reflection is really, really important. And I it love is. what you said that you're going to see, um, such a change in your life when you do things like that. And it's the simplest things. I love your habits, by the way. They're beautiful. Um, mine speak in a different language, but si very similar. I meditate and yeah. I do my my gratitude journal and I read something that expands my mind, not sucks it out. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I do what a mentor of mine from years ago told me. It's like, be the Discovery Channel. Don't watch the Discovery Channel. There you go. And I love that. I have always loved that. So I try to make sure I have something that I'm going to be doing that day so I could really discover some newness. Um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in journals, too. Uh, I've kept a personal journal since I was in about the fifth grade. Every day I write in my journal. But I also keep a professional journal. I call it a leadership journal. And I, I the way that happened here, interesting story. I, I had the opportunity, I actually had the opportunity twice to listen to General Hal Moore talk. Hal Moore is the guy, um, we were soldiers once and young, that Mel Gibson played in the movie. Yes. And the first time I got to talk, I got to listen to him talk, I'm sitting in the auditorium and I'm sitting in the front seat waiting for him to come out on stage. And my boss walks by and he says, Oak, what are you doing? And I said, well, sir, I'm waiting for General Moore to come out and talk. And he said, and you don't have anything to write with? He said, shame on you. The, the one of the greatest combat generals we've ever produced is about to talk to you and you're not going to write anything down. Shame <laughs> on you. And it never <laughs> happened again. It, even if I go talk at a conference as the keynote speaker, I'll I, I like to sit through the, you know, breakout sessions and listen to other people because I can learn from them. I've like I got a book and I'm sitting there writing on it. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I learned as a keynote speaker is that by sitting in another people's sessions, you can bring, and it's a pro pro tip, you can bring in some of the things that they say and Absolutely. reflect it back to the audience. And there's this connection automatically with all the different speakers sure. as well as the audience. So, so that is such a beautiful thing that you actually sit in. I don't see a lot of um, speakers doing that. And they, they've asked me a number of times, why do you do that? And I was like, because I want to know what they're saying so that we can kind of tie a bow around yeah. it, especially as the keynote, right? I, I have actually changed my presentation. You know, I'd be there the night before at a social gathering of the people who are going to be in there. And I hear what they're concerned about, what the issues are they're talking about. And I'd go back to my room that night and I'd say, okay, I was going to talk about this, but I really need to put more emphasis on this. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, because you're there for them, you're there yes. to make them better. Yes. Not for yourself. No, you could do that in your mirror at home. You didn't have to exactly. travel to a conference, right? So yeah, that happened to me. I was doing a presentation and they said, oh, this is the presentation of the ones that I do. We like you to give. I was like, fine. And I started out with a collaborative conversation and I was hearing different things. And right then and there, I had to shift into a different yeah. presentation altogether. And the woman who hired me was like, what just happened? And I was like, well, you heard what they wanted. And she goes, I've never seen anybody shift like that. And it's really important because I'm there to help them. I, yeah. I know what I know, you know, but I didn't, it, it just wasn't applicable to what I was hearing their need for. Um, just in the last few minutes, inspire everyone. 
you know, what, if you, you have an opportunity here to tell them anything, what, what, what is the best inspiration you can give the listeners right now before we. Yeah. It's the same thing that I tell every brand new second Lieutenant that I've had an opportunity to help develop and commission. And it's been over 550, I think 558 Lieutenant. I have helped commission into the army and as leaders in this nation. And I walked up to every single one of them the day they got commissioned. And I said, your goal should be to make a positive difference in one person's life every day. Because as a leader, you are going to make a difference. Promise. Why not make a conscious decision to make a positive difference in at least one person's life every day? Not 10. If you can do more than one, good for you. But I'm challenging you to make one positive difference in one person's life every day. And imagine how much better your family, the neighborhood, the community, the town, this country, this world would be if everybody made one positive difference in one person's life every day. Oak, challenge accepted. How can people get in touch with you? So I have a website um, and I'm also on all of the social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, all of that. And, um, and, And my website has my cell phone number. It has my email if you want to talk to me. Send me an email, shoot me a phone call. I'm always happy to talk to people. You want a great keynote speaker, you need to reach out to Oak McCullough. All his information and links will be with this this, uh, show and in this episode. So I I want you to go down there for that. But if you want to go to his website, it's um, Lieutenant Oak mccullough.com so it's l-t-c-o-a-k-m-c-c-u-l-l-o-c-h.com yes that was new york fast that's the best i can do look below the the episode (laughs) anyway thank you so much for being on the show oak thank you for all thank you all for joining us today on healthy lifestyle with laurianne i hope we have earned the privilege of your time again i want to thank our guest today oak mccullough you're amazing totally well thank you laurianne i really appreciate it And look for our show next Saturday at 3 o'clock. We can be found on all major platforms. And we would be so grateful if you please like, follow, share, and subscribe. Until next time, I am Coach Lorianne. Play a higher role, serve a higher purpose show for you, and show up big. Have a great day. Make it great. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.